On December 8, 1941, Japanese forces landed on Guam's five largest bays and began their three-year occupation of the island. During their control over Guam, Chamorros endured forced labor, abuse, forced encampment, and even death up until 1944, when American forces defeated the Japanese. Each year, we celebrate Liberation Day not only to remember the hardship Chamorros endured during World War II, but to honor the stories of those that survived the Japanese occupation. Recognition, reflection, remembrance. KUAM News celebrates our liberation and our heroes. In this episode, we commemorate Cindy Tenorio Tulahi, a true survivor. This is Survivors, in their own words. Every time I think of their liberation, I think back, you know. And there's just memories that's just, it's like I'm seeing it all over again. You know, being in the jungle, running in the jungle, everything, you know, going over dead bodies and things like that. It's just, you know, it's just, I don't know, but it's a hardship what we had, went through. And one thing that's, it's not going to go away, it's in my head forever. Cindy Tenorio Talahi was just nine years old when the Japanese invaded Guam. She recalls how her life was forced to change and how she had to adapt to the rule of the Japanese. When the bomb started and then, you know, my father just grabbed us kids and there are five, of, five children all together, my mom and dad, and we start running up to the hill because, you know, the war was you know, coming. And then we head up towards uh, Alibugun and up to Manengan. And we stayed there for a while. Trilahi's family did all they could to keep safe, including hiding from Japanese soldiers in a cave to escape their punishment and brutality. You know, my dad had dug up a, a cave and we stayed in there for months. And there were hardly any food. No, you know, we would drink from the water from the river. And food is scarce. And for a while, uh, I got sick and everything. I was malnutrition and all. And then they continue, you know, the bombing. Even as a young girl, Cindy felt the fear of her parents during the occupation. And, and but, you know, my parents were just devastated, I guess, you know, from the war and everything. They have four other children and we tried to tell us, you know, not to make any noise because the Japanese. After the Japanese had discovered her family's cave, they were forced to leave. Cindy was too sick at the time to go on, and her mother made the harsh decision to leave her daughter and spare her any discomfort. I got very sick, and people were running outside the cave and says, you know, they're coming, they're coming, you know, we have to get out. But then uh, my, my mother knew that, you know, I wouldn't be able to make it because of uh, my illness. So what she did is just, she wrapped me up in a piece of cloth and I remember that she said goodbye to me. I was nine years old at that time. I didn't know. I thought they were just going outside. But later on I found out that I was all by myself. All alone without her family, Cindy began to fear for her life. That's when a man passing her came to her rescue. 
We'll be right back after this message. At Domino's, we know there's never enough time in a day. That's why we've done the work for you so you can get to what matters most. Just log on to dominos.gu, place your order for carryout or delivery, and with our online tracker, we'll update you step by step until your order is ready. Because we know every second counts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you too. All alone without her family, Cindy began to fear for her life. That's when a man passing her came to her rescue. So he picked me up. I said, don't be afraid, you know, I'll take you. And he says, where's your parents? I don't know the outside. Says, There's nobody out there. People just going in different directions. And I called him Pop, you know. And when uh, he got out, his wife and daughter just left already with the other crowds. And he put me on his back and he says, hang on to it. Little did Cindy know, her and Pops were running towards their freedom and not away from the Japanese. So we continued going down to Agat and then he handed me over to the military, you know, military uh, uh, American people to take care of me because I was, you know, really sick. And then that was the last time I saw her. Once she arrived in Agat, Cindy was reunited with their family. This was a moment Cindy previously thought would never come. She had thought she was lost forever. I noticed my sister, so I stood up and I started yelling at her, you know, and then I saw my mom and my dad, and then they, my mom thought that she was seeing a ghost, you know, because she thought I, I died already. But then uh, they came over to the tent where I was staying, and then, you know, they, we started hugging each other. For decades, Cindy would tell the story of this man carrying her to Agate, not knowing his name or identity, until her mother discovered who Pops really was. After he, she told me, I didn't even say goodbye to my mom. I just took off and told my husband, let's go. You know, we went and took off to Jotnia. While in Jotnia, the couple joined people telling their war stories. One story in particular, told by her husband's Uncle Frank, sounded all too familiar to Cindy. During the war, I was passing over there, Manengun, Bokungo, and I heard this little girl's cry. I went inside, and she's all by herself. So I picked her up took off and my wife's gone so I had her by myself and we just took off just you know going all the way down to Agat <coughs> and uh, I just wanted to know if she's dead alive married off island or she joined the novice you know just before I die I want to know to know you know what happened to this girl so my husband was holding me down, you know, in the chair, and he was just, he, sh he was in shock, you know. My husband says, oh my gosh, she's, she's been telling me, you know, this story all my life, and I, I can't believe it, you know. So when Uncle Frank finished his story, you know, he let me go, and I just, and I went and sat down on his lap, and then uh, Auntie Beck and Auntie Sarah says, hey Pete, you know, that's my husband's name, says, what's wrong with your wife? I just, just give her a glass of water. And then uh, I was shaking and everything, you know, just hugging him and kissing him and everything. And then, what's wrong, what's wrong with this? And then I took take my hands, you know, put it right on his face. And I talk, I look face to face to him and I just, take a good look, 
on the girls that you picked up from the Beningun. Because right here, facing you, you know. But he says, but you're Cindy Terlai. I said, yeah, I'm Terlai because I married Terlai. But, you know, thank you for saving my life. If it wasn't for you, I won't be here today. <laughs>